Right. Welcome back. Another Unplugged Health Series podcast. Series show? Podcast. We could have chosen a bit of an easier mouthful, but um, Unplugged Health Series podcast. Show. Show. Health. Today we, we had a brief discussion and uh, something I've been looking at um, over the last few weeks and I've noticed pop up with a few clients. It's funny how when you start researching something then you actually notice it in more people and then yourself. It's, it's a bit like us, we go on a, away on a technique seminar and next thing you're finding uh, everything that you've been uh, taught. Exactly. It's a thing, addiction to stress or the dopamine release, shall we say where we have these behaviors that like we're in a world which is built around this dopamine response nowadays Huge social huge. media being the biggest thing I social media and, uh, and the advertising and the the food and everything is all geared it's there's science behind it it's not just random chance that we uh, that we enjoy certain foods or certain activities certain pastimes yeah and i think it's it might be something you guys can relate to where you think why am i always stressed but our body is actually addicted to that response, that stress response. So we keep putting ourselves in these positions of stress without even realizing it. Yeah. And you wonder why is it always happening in this vicious circle? And also that if we, if, if it comes back down to kind of biochemistry and, and um, neurotransmitters, if there's failures within our environment or we are put into a certain stress pattern, the ideal as far as balance between serotonin and dopamine and that doesn't exist so the body will stay stuck in we will say we are stay stuck or you're stuck into a stress response um it's not as simple as just switching off a stress response it's not just simply as like i'll i'll start eating different things and that because your body is so geared in a stress response then saying well that's great that you you want to eat salad and lettuce leaves but I'm in, I'm in a stress response, so that, that sugar, that quick hit, that chocolate, the, the carb element of things is more attractive. So there's a, lot more, there's a lot more driving us than just an element of I can override a, a stress. If you're stuck, you're stuck in a stress pattern, your body's physiology is not doing anything wrong. Well, and also that when you actually look at food, some of them are precursors to the dopamine or dopamine to get that dopamine hit. And when we talk about dopamine, it's that drive neurotransmitter. Yeah. So like when people have addictive like, tendencies, like gambling, could be like addicted to watching the news, addicted to porn or whatever it is, computer games, like so many different things, addicted to chocolate, alcohol, it's this dopamine release that they're actually getting. And the trouble that we have is that the higher we get that dopamine release, the lower our baseline goes. Yeah, so it's a bit like that description of a, um, whether in in a, in a drug addict world, that what they call chasing the dragon. You know, mm -hmm. you your first hit is so massive, and your next hit doesn't reach those points. You're really chasing it all the time to get back to. So um, you know, take more, higher dose. You know, always pushing to try and get that same peak. Um, but this is that's you know it's not exactly the same within from from a drug addict perspective, but it's the same feeding to the same um, the same neurotransmitter loop, which I think is what you're getting at oh, as yeah. far as like the gambling and stuff. So for, so 
it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's a bit like there's all, all of us are slightly OCD. All of us are, can be slightly depressive. All of us can be slightly manic. All of us are addicts. Mm-hmm. We all have that mechanism. The natural we're, human We're designed mechanism. to have that. It's a reward system. And the, what I read the article a while ago, it said that dopamine, the best dopamine release is when you get given a reward, which is you didn't, have, you didn't expect and it is higher than you ever you would expect. Mm-hmm. So if someone gave you a present, but it was, you weren't expecting a present and that present was so much more than you would ever imagine, your dopamine is, is, is a big is a hit. So, um, you know, when it comes to advertising and foods and things, there are things that can uh, tap into that dopamine hit. So we even get a, a bigger reward. But then also we can have deficiencies. So we're not supplying the, the bare precursors and makeup for that dopamine uh, pathway. So we're, um, we're continuously dopamine deficient. Well, that, that's when we look at... So we're not we getting at... the fulfillment, we're not getting the reward of life. And so there's a whole lot, a whole lot of things around dopamine. We constantly need that bigger hit, as we said, that, that for example, caffeine isn't something which raises dopamine directly. No. But it's making the receptor, your dopamine receptors more responsive. So people have caffeine and then do something with a dopamine so that would get a dopamine hit afterwards. Bam! That so many people like... With, briefly touched on pre-workouts and stuff there was an article that we spoke about um on pre-workouts and if anyone doesn't know pre-workouts is just usually just filled with stimulants or people usually have uh so caffeine. pre-workout is pre-workout is a food or supplement or something you have which is usually filled to with pre- stimulants to prepare, prepare you for, you for a workout. workout and then people are having them for studying or nootropics and stuff and because they want to go to this different altered state as such where it's just loads of focus but then they have this pre-workout, which makes their dopamine receptors more responsive, so they have a higher hit for that thing afterwards. I've seen pre-workouts for people doing esports, so they're more focused for the computer games. Yeah. But there's more of a dopamine hit, and the problem is because we have that crash, we need another dopamine hit afterwards. So, so do you do you think that those kind of things have become even more and more scientific? Because I can remember it's, you know, when at school, some of the guys coming to athletics performance would take things or have things like corn syrup just before a race on the basis that they had a hit of, of quickly supplied um, fast energy, you know, simple carb, um, which was, you know, debatable whether it really did make much difference at that level. But it seems to have become a lot more scientific as the well, as, I think as we like know that. more in technologies we know more about the biochemical pathways now there's this element of we're going for GABA we're going for um, you know we're going for specifics we're going for dopamine we're looking at the precursors for serotonin we're looking at you know there wasn't a mention of like 5-HTP there wasn't a mention of specifically that tyrosine is the is the um, amino acid relating to dopa, dopamine you you so you can do that yeah, with natural dope, nutri- yeah. natural uh, um, dietary elements or suggesting certain foods, but on the on the supplement side and also on the um, as you're talking about the pre-workout side, there's there's a lot more science behind it. Well, yeah, if you think about a pre-workout, then that corn syrup is just a blood glucose. Yeah, yeah. Wise. Like it's not yeah. a. But that's what I'm saying. That's where the it's basic not a stimulant. It's just your blood sugars rising. Yeah. Whereas now it's more about what there, there was one. Um, like with supplements, it's just, that's chucked loads and people have like two, three scoops. And that's like, 
four or five coffees or something. Like there's like one scoop is like 150 milligrams or something, like an Americano. So they have three scoops. Would you really have three coffees before you worked out? I'd hope, hope that people would say no, like one coffee should be enough, but then we need more and more and more. And, and then do we got, actually need it? At what level is someone oh, yeah, claiming like, that, that they're going to invest in that and, and either spend that money or... But it hides or, the, or the think, gap, right? Or think they're get, getting a benefit from it. I, I look at the way I was training when I competed in bodybuilding. I'd have two or three scoops and I'd have this training session. Then I'd have a low afterwards. And then you might need something to sleep. And there was like a really vicious cycle because I'd use melatonin to sleep. And melatonin is known for lowering your baseline dopamine. So not only are you having a higher high and your lows are getting lower anyway, you're adding the melatonin to get even lower. Like no wonder it's like such up and down. And I've made this so, promise so, to myself. So you, so you start thinking and sounding like a drug addict of having an upper and then a downer. The, 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 the like, ironic thing is that 2004 was when caffeine was taken off the WADA doping list. So the World Anti-Doping Association, caffeine was a performance enhancing, or it's still a performance enhancing drug, and that's what we need to look at. Caffeine is a drug, and it, we're a society that loves coffee, and we're built yeah. around loving coffee, because like, remember when we said about circadian rhythm? We're waking up earlier and sleeping later. We need these stimulants. But if you think of 2004, you could have too much caffeine in your system and be banned like someone who has had like anabolic steroids or other performance enhancing oh, drugs. I'm sure the mo most, um, most average, uh, you know, the weekend warrior, rugby player, footballer, whatever. Some Red Bulls, would, some monsters. Would, would fail a drug test. Yeah. Uh, if they're in a professional, professional um, setting. They would yeah. fail. Cross-contamination anything. Yeah, not because they necessarily take in performance enhancing drugs but they are taking medications or taking food supplements or something which which do artificially raise but the thing that you see on on articles that i've seen many of them is that this person has taken steroids or something you read into it and it was an ingredient in his food that is like a dye or something and it's not to say like if you're a professional athlete, you should responsibly check the ingredients of your food. Yeah, it's huge. But, uh, like, but I would, it's I, hard. I was thinking this the other day. You're either relying heavily on, on a, you know, a team nutritionist or something, or you've got to get really, really clued up on nutrition yeah. because you, that could make or break your career, not only from a performance perspective, because all of them will use supplements and dietary regimes for peak performance. <clears throat> But you get that wrong and you fail drug tests, not only do you, are you potentially going to lose medals and sponsorships and all sorts, but reputation. But the average, average person is, not, is going to look at you and go, you're a drug cheat. Yeah, it, from it's a, the headline. From a small slip-up. Yeah. And you're, but, never going to, you're never going to lose that, um, lose that, 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 it's that, that title. And I, I remember when I worked with some professional triathletes, at the start of the season, I would have to sign a piece of paper that I would not knowingly give them supplements that had a banned ingredient. So then you have to only use a certain amount of supplements that aren't that have been like IOC IOC tested, I think it is, Olympic Committee, and only use those specific ones. Like, and if they had an issue, then you've signed this bit of paper, so you wouldn't give them it. So then, yeah, yeah. But like, it's getting onto the dopamine side that 
like we have all these cravings, there's so many stimulants in there, and are we aware of our addictions? Like I was saying to, to Rachel before here that I would get up and just scroll through Facebook without realizing it. It's just yeah. like a, a, a reflex that you get yeah. up and scroll and then you don't realize how much time you've lost and that's a dopamine release. The um, notifications, they're a dopamine release. Oh yeah. Like just getting those messages and like the whole world is built, it seems, around this dopamine release. But when was the last time we done a dopamine detox? And would that actually make you happier? If you stop getting this high and we got our baseline higher, those like we'd start enjoying things a lot more. Well, it was it was a bit interesting, it wasn't with all the lockdown where people got off their normal routine initially mm-hmm. and they did did end up going, Well, I can't do this or some people said, Well, I can't do this X Y, but I'm not gonna be sitting at home and watching T V all day and doing nothing. And so they actually, in many ways, especially first lockdown, um, probably had the best probably month or six weeks where they suddenly saw People clearly. started connecting. Yeah. So actually, like, you know, I had stories of neighbors actually talking to each other over the fence, whereas before they would never, you know. Didn't even know their names and stuff. Right. And then it's been quite interesting because then it's gone slightly the other way. And, and very much now you've got this, how much of a normal do we go back to and how much do we hold on to? But I'm also more aware that the powers that be that run some of the platforms want you to go back. And Mm. so there's a lot of that. The whole marketing platform Easily going back into check my phone just before going to bed. These are all pattern interrupts. But as as you correctly say, these are also big big biochemical neurotransmitter pattern interrupts. So when you start looking at it. Programming and changing uh, biochemistry. And by changing biochemistry, you're changing actions and habits and and routine. It's it's really quite It makes you crave more. And then we crave the things like chocolate. Like it's got a precursor like beta polyethylalanine, PEA, P. It's not P's, but PEA. It's a precursor to dopamine. So chocolate is addictive if we've got deficiencies in dopamine, uh, in our low, lower level dopamine, the more chocolate we have, the more low we have, there's actually a pain reaction when people have the chocolate because it goes down to make us crave more chocolate. So you can see when people say they're a chocoholic, there's chances there's other addictive behaviors that are going on. And if people look deeper, they'll probably see it as well. Chocolate's an amazing one because also you've got that serotonin pathway. So you then get the, that makes me feel happy. So not only do I feel rewarded and given, but I feel happy, but then it drops and then I don't feel happy. And that's when we crave more. And then so I now work out very quickly that, you know. But the marketing, look at, look at Terry's Chocolate Orange. Let's go back a few years. It's like half what moon, full moon, years? total that, eclipse. That's one of the best Oh, back around. when Dawn Fred, that was the first one that came into my mind. So full love, moon, I half love, moon, total eclipse. And... Like, it's literally, let's have the whole thing. Or, like... Well, right, was it one... They, they pull it would in, you like, share do, your last Rolo? Yeah, do you love anyone enough no. to do last Rolo? <laughs> I don't like, like no. caramel, like, <laughs> so I was all right with that. But, it's, but this is what I think a lot of people don't realise. Um, and so, like, from a therapeutics perspective, you can tweak and supplement those neuropathways and, and manage um, dopamine and serotonin from a from a... A nutritional or a supplement perspective but there are uh, industries out there which have know those pathways and they tweaking them 
to to pull you and keep yeah. you. They're um, not working on the high, on, on the low. They're working on get your highs higher, so your lows lower, so you need well, to go and back And I think up. they quite quickly are also aware that if you if you can play that whole continuum and go for the ride with them, they're more likely to come back to the product. But there is an interesting one where... You know, gambling, gambling is a great one, is that, you know, like any addiction to the nth degree, it, it, it destroys bank accounts, it destroys families. Yeah. You see the but, footballers. But, but they go still gamble. going for it. Yeah, there's, there's more and more I don't know more. when it was, if it's just come out. Um, who's it? Uh, is it Merson? Merson's spoken about it loads. Yeah, there's a program there's just Gillespie recently come well. out when he was saying about addiction and that um, through his years of addiction to a whole lot of things, but still gambling is 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 a continual battle for him. Well, yeah, and, and like, that's huge. There was one with Keith Gillespie, and he was talking about he put a bet on Newcastle when he went to them that they would win three nil, and they went three nil up. And he was like, no, don't score. And he didn't tell his teammates about it. But then if he had told him, then it would have been fixing it. And then there was someone scored a goal, then that cost him like 50-odd grand, which is a lot of money to anyone. But like, even back then, for yeah. him, what he was getting. Yeah. So the interesting thing is, is, a number of years ago, I saw a thing of, Jer- love him or hate him, Jeremy Clarkson. And he had a thing on about, um, it was more of fear. And so what he noticed that with driving and speed, some people say equivalent of 30 miles an hour, they, they would get the, th- the thrill, you know, of a sports car. He'd need to so go he, w- he took people to, he went to like uh, horse racing and said some people seem to get the hit and the thrill of a horse race by putting five pounds on. And, but someone else puts a hundred pounds, someone else puts a thousand pounds. And it's not necessarily that those people can afford more. They it's get the this, film it's where they get the the dopamine yeah where they get the the hit so he he then took his grandmother on a roller coaster and she i don't think she even lasted going whereas he was sitting there going to the roller coaster afterwards like okay that was that was you know average yeah and he realized his his grandmother was hitting that fear factor so quickly and that we were actually all processing the same stimulation but getting different feedback from it. So you and I could have a similar love, I don't know, for horse racing and, and get a, um, a gambling hit from putting, you know, if you watch a horse race with no money on it, it suddenly changes when you put, you know, you, 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 well, watch, I do it with you football watch the matches. football. Put a five pound match on Chelsea Liverpool. You sit there and watch Chelsea the football you passive. You put, you know, even it can be a pound and suddenly you, you're, yeah. you, there's a different involvement. But for some people, a pound wouldn't give you that. Some people it has to be ten pounds, or twenty pounds, a hundred pounds. Um, we all have a different level of need to hit hit that dopamine response, and that's where that's where the gambling and that's where the destructive element of it is. Because, you know, why is it that some one person can be can put a pound on and be satisfied, another one has to be a grand? But you can see why it goes into food and people's health even more. Like it's directly stress response with people's health yeah. there, but. With food, like the addictive tendencies, and I think this is where. Well, apparently, some people some people don't like chocolate. You know, other people it's like. Or yeah. are, are, do you wake up? You know, going back to the coffee. Do you wake up and enjoy the coffee, or do you having the coffee to wake up? You know, you, you you've got different elements. It's feeding into different systems. I suppose this is. I'd love to see some studies where people didn't had a chocolate 
addiction or they were chocoholics, self-proclaimed chocoholics. But what they did was that they stopped social media, they stopped all these other dopamine hits, did their chocolate addiction level out a little bit because they were actually, that yeah. was one of the hits, but like they took all this other dopamine response out. Were they much more able to enjoy chocolate? And then put so it what, down. So what's common also with addicts, as in drug addicts, is that very often they will, um, if they they get off the drug element, there will be another something else that they they hook into. But it's just dopamine, and they're still getting that with chocolate. Yeah. So that, so what happens is a lot of uh, say like a gambler or so they will or an you know an, an alcoholic they will be able to work through and get off that destructive element of that addiction. But very often there's still an addictive element because they haven't, in, in functional terms, yeah. they haven't addressed the underlying cause. Yeah. So the, they just choose a less destructive uh, addiction. So a lot, uh, quite common, I, I have a, an extended family member who uh, was an alcoholic years and years ago, but he'll still say that he's an alcoholic. He still is, he's know, got that addictive but he tendencies. hasn't drunk for years and years, you know, decades. But he could nail a big tub of of ice cream, and he says that's that's his his hit. That's his addiction. So it's 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 interesting one with addiction because if you if and you put your functional medicine perspective, if you're not addressing the underlying cause, you're just switching it to a less destructive addiction. But then, when does it turn back to that potentially well, as well? Like we I was talking could've. with someone earlier, but about I think that's probably why many. Many many programs don't have long-lasting issues because they don't address the underlying reason why the dopamine response or the serotonin response is uh, is out of whack. The 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 traditional therapeutic stance is well, you, you have an issue with your brain chemistry, so we just take this drug. So like an SSRI or something. Yeah, well, it fits into serotonin, but they never really, you can't measure it and they're never really going deep enough to look at those pathways or look at the genetics or the epigenetics. So I there's, think a, it's worrying, there's a lot really. of things that aren't happening, but hopefully will happen more and more and, and people can look into it. I because think, I don't think we realize that we're looking at it from a, from a biochemical and a functional perspective. We're just looking course. from a symptom perspective. Yeah, and it's... It is disappointing, like for myself, and it's cool to like know this stuff and be working in functional medicine with clients, but also feel like you've been failed because this should be readily available, widely available for people, and their knowledge should be there. And that that's a whole different topic, but it's just a frustration. Like, why? Well, you've you've got your doctor of chiropractic, but I've got my knowledge and the courses I've done in functional medicine. Yes, I'm still licensed in functional medicine, but I haven't been to medical school. So why am I being able to help clients with this? Well, I, I could. <laughs> that, that is a whole can of worms. <laughs> part three. There's only 24 four. hours in a day. Um, and, and that's where like, I'm but, seeing some amazing results with people. The, the short answer to that is the focus hasn't been that to that degree. Yeah in the cause and I think technology's improved the accessibility to examine things more but the underlying focus hasn't adapted with that change. See that's where the, it will. that's where the the, the um, discipline of functional medicine or functional integrated lifestyle medicine has grown because there's there's been this void. Yeah. This would have been an amazing topic when we spoke over a year ago about having something live before the world flipped on its head. 
that well, would have been an amazing that's... topic to have actual live feedback with people. Addiction. Yeah, and hopefully in a safe environment. In fact, if there's anything you guys want to share and like in comments or you can message us, I'd love to know what your stories are with potential addiction and um, how you've overcome that. Has the topic of dopamine being discussed, has that helped you guys or given you some some more food for thought actually like as to well and also it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be at a big level of um you know drug addiction or alcohol addiction you know the big destructive things it can even just be some of it of you know performance or work or sleep patterns or or um other signs of of functionally being off kilter you could be like when people you say know, weight loss programs you know mm. they they work so well to a certain point but then you need do more. they ever really address the our underlying relationship with food or have you found that then working with you know um different uh, you know hypnotherapy or so does that, what shifts so they'll be really to interesting more. to know some of your feedback but until that time massively appreciate you guys for watching this or listening yeah. to it or however you're consuming it and uh, we shall be unplugged live health podcast show thing soon. Yeah. Thing. Take care, guys. Take care. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.